Today, we're talking to Kelly Ogden. She's been in nursing for 27 years, and we're talking to her about her volunteer work for a palliative care organization. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for being here. It's such an honor. I always learn so much from you about everything whenever we chat, spiritual things, emotional things. I think we're on a similar spiritual journey. Definitely, definitely. So, so thank you so much for your time. It's such an honor to have you. I just wanted to ask you first, Kel, why did you actually initially get into nursing? Ah, good question. I think because I wanted to be a doctor oh. <laughs> and then uh, back back at uni, you know, you sort of realise that where you want to go. I think I liked the hospital setting, medical setting. I'd been in hospital myself and was quite intrigued and wasn't at all um, put off by any blood and guts or anything like that. So, But also uh, I loved biology and the more and more I learned about the human body, I thought it was just amazing Thing. So I uh, thought, well, nursing, nursing was a good option because I knew that I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. So, But it's actually been the best thing ever. I was very lucky that that's been the area that was meant to be for me because I think being a doctor, I wouldn't have been able to actually give the care and the time to people that I do now. So, so that yeah. was something we spoke about the other day, about care and time. And that's one yeah. of the reasons you got into palliative care volunteering. What was the initiative to get into there for you? Well, I'd sort of been going in and out of working in hospitals. The more time I spent in the hospitals, I realised that it was a lot of running around like a headless chook, really, trying to get all the, the things done, the medical interventions done, the documentation was huge. And I just felt more and more that I wasn't actually being able to spend the time that I wanted to. My, my background is paediatric, so I wasn't able to even just help a mum out and hold a baby or feed a baby or do any of those real basic care things that really um, a big part of me a part of caring and nursing and it just becomes more medicalized as I went on and I thought well maybe it's me changing with my, where my priorities are I think that I, I just really valued the caring side and I felt that I just wasn't able to do it in a busy hospital so I thought that I'd see what it's like to maybe get into a new area of palliative care which wasn't so focused on medical interventions so I thought I'd try to a volunteer first and then see maybe that could be potentially an area that I get into with nursing. So you volunteered about eight months ago, is that correct? Mm, I started January last year. We did a intense training, two-month training program, which was fantastic. And then I had my first client about April and then uh, I was with that client for eight months and went and saw him every week and spent about two to three hours every week with him. It was such an honour to be involved in someone's life at that time because that's when they really do reflect on their life and and what's important and, and you, you are there witnessing and being able to enable them to, to do all the things that they want to do to wrap up their life, really. You're connecting with them and supporting them. Were you there when your person died? No, I, I saw him about three days before he died. Okay, I knew when it was my last um, visit that I was going to say goodbye. We're not like, actually allowed to go. They're, they're quite protective of volunteers to actually be there at the time of death, but it's more as where they're in their palliative time, but not the, the time of death. So I knew that it was a goodbye, which was was really, it was sort of, I, you, it's so weird to say, goodbye to someone as well lovely to to know you and, mm. and thank you for 
for this opportunity um, to just how much great time with you and get to know you. And it's almost like you are saying goodbye for them to go on to their next journey. It was, it was really, it wasn't actually a sad, a sad time in a way. It was, but it was, we knew, we both knew that's where things were headed. So it was really interesting. That's really opened my heart to hear that. Mm. Connecting with someone else and I guess that palliative care journey. So palliative care, what does that mean? Is that the time that they've been told they're going to die? How does that work? Um, palliative care is really where they you have a, a limited life expectancy and it's usually the clients that we have is usually within 12 months. So it might be that they have a, a condition that's a degenerative condition or a, a life-limiting condition or they may have cancer. They have chosen maybe, um, especially in... I mean, you can actually have palliative care that actually improves your quality of life. So palliative care is really not prolonging life and it's not setting the death up. It's, it's just keeping someone comfortable in that time and, and that means comfortably physically as well as emotionally, spiritually um, and everything else that's part of life. With keeping them comfortable physically as a nurse, I guess there's the medical side of that. I was just going to say I was really mindful that my job was as a volunteer, not as a nurse. So that was something, was actually a nice relief not to have to do to think about the physical side of things, even though I was mindful like, oh, you're not very steady on your feet or, or you're in a bit more pain today or your energy levels aren't up, that sort of thing I was mindful of. But I had, I just had to report that back to the team and then the nurses would look at that sort of physical side of things. Okay. Oh, that was, yeah, that was good for you, a different role you were playing. It was so good because this... I, I didn't have to get caught up in the medicalised things. I actually got to, to spend nice time with him. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say, the spiritual, mental and the support side of things. So did you talk about things like death or was it more just spending time and building a friendship? I think as we, as time went on, we talked more about death because I actually helped with preparing photos and things for his funeral and I was the ears to listen to the eulogy because I actually did go to his funeral as well. So it was really quite, I, I, I think it was, quite funny there were some parts that I laughed in the funeral about because I know I was there when I was helping him write these parts. <laughs> so yeah we that was more towards the end but during the, the previous you know six months or so beforehand it was just really a lot of reminiscing a lot of going over watching movies together and looking at old photos just yeah really um, he physically wasn't able to go out and do a lot of things but it was nice to to, for him to reminisce and and, talk, talk, and I was there just to listen to his stories, really. So do you feel like you were a gift to him? Because that's what it sounds like to me. You're such a genuine person <laughs> that your time was something really special to him as well. Is that how you yeah. feel? I, def- I felt like for him he didn't have a lot of family around. So And that is often the case with a lot of people in the palliative stage. A lot of people are quite busy or they can feel that they don't want to intrude or they don't want to, you know, they they may even be quite scared. They don't they don't know what to do or say, so they don't visit or they stop calling. So there are a lot of lonely people in the palliative stage of their lives. So I knew that he was really looking forward to my visit. So that was really obvious. <laughs> and I, I just, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I got caught up in my day. Oh, I have to go and, go and visit that, you know, because there's a bit of a drive to go there. And But then once I'm there, I was like, oh, you know, I was on, I was on a high always on the way home. So... It was definitely a two-way thing. He gave me a lot and, yeah, I think he, it was obvious he was looking forward to our visit too. But it took a while to get 
probably about a month or so for him to make it, you know, he was a bit suspicious, just, you know, we're pretty cool cucumber at the start, but you could tell as we went on that there was a good um, rapport there. So you gained from it as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I I think I became a little bit, of, I would say a daughter again, but a bit of a surrogate daughter, and that since my dad has passed away, uh, we have to be careful with, with all that, but it, I felt like that because of the age difference and, and having that, being that female, young female in his, in his world. So that was good for me, but also just, to, yeah, I think just, it's like with nursing. When you give your time and when you give your attention to someone, you totally forget about yourself. So you're actually very present with that person and you do, you always feel good afterwards. Yeah, that's awesome. We're speaking with Kelly Ogden. We're talking about the palliative care volunteer work she does. And now, Kel, I'd just like to ask you now, I was touched by the story of the passing of your father. Um, Would you be able to talk to us about his journey towards death? Yes, about four and a half years ago now. I can't believe it's gone that quick since Dad died. He he had esophageal cancer and he was quite unwell really for four years and he in the last week or last two weeks really of his life he he'd actually chosen and said no no more treatment especially when the cancer had come back he said no I can't do this anymore it, he was really it was a different person he was struggling every day to eat to have energy he was in pain it was it was a horrible it wasn't quality of life at all but you know we're all little um, optimists in our family so we're always you know egging him on and being hopeful for him but he really had enough so there was a day that he was in hospital and he we had the palliative care uh, doctor come and talk to us as a family and said look dad your dad has decided that he doesn't want any more treatment so we're going to be starting the palliative care process so that meant he was I think it was about eight eight days it actually took for dad to die so um, that meant everything was was withdrawn all the tubes and he had a nasogastric tube and and fluid and um, so all that was removed he didn't feel like eating we just gave him you know sips of water or whatever to make him comfortable they gave him pain relief and um, sedative but in that time it was very much where my mum and my twin sister and I we would go and spend hours with dad by the bedside and talk to him just sit next to him talk to each other it was a very long (laughs) exhausting day but um, and especially towards the end you just don't know like we'd occasionally see a nurse come in and you know they'd just be polite and go in and out but didn't really know what to expect even though I'm a nurse I'm a paediatric nurse so I'd I didn't. I haven't actually been around someone who has died or close to dying. So there was still a lot of a lot of uncertainty and unknowns of you know every breath we're watching in the last couple of days. Is this it or you know Dad had lost consciousness and and yeah it was it was pretty. Um, you're just waiting a lot of the time and and that last day we just you could see Dad was he'd get a little bit irritable and then um, when he'd have pain relief and then he would relax again and and go off to sleep and then that last day we you know he was unconscious for days but we sort of said to them you know is he at his maximum level that he can have and then so they did up the level and then um, within the hour he actually died but we weren't actually present at the time so which was quite distressing, but it's it's really hard because you have you're in two minds. You you sort of have all this. I want to be with his dad. I want to be by his side, but you don't know how you're going to cope with that. And 
I just wish I had someone older to look after me, to look after my mum, someone there to be able to be with us and say, I'll be with you when, when you're there with your dad to die. So we just felt, I suppose, quite on our own and not sure what to do. So there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. But, yes, yeah. I mean, Dad Dad just wanted to hurry up and get it over and done with, I know that. So I was just happy for him that finally he was in peace. Yeah, it must have been such a challenge. I've been present with my grandmother when she passed yeah. and I was – it was emotional and a gift but yeah. it was also – very on edge because all I could we couldn't understand what was happening we didn't know yeah. when exactly she would pass we didn't know which breath would be her last That's it. Yeah. and it was quite a, quite a panicky situation almost like we wanted yeah. to support her and be her there with her but it just we didn't know what to do we didn't know how to be it was just very exactly. odd so yeah. that leads me into something that I heard about a little while ago, a death doula. Now, I know that you'd looked into this. Can you explain, because you talked about having someone there that could support you through the process. Yeah. So yeah. explain to me what you understand a death doula to be. Um, it's not any, I haven't, I'm not trained or anything in it, but it's definitely something I'm looking into. And, and the more I get into um, looking at palliative care and, and you know, even since dad died I've just been fascinated in in the death process and knowing that I would have really benefited from having or my whole family would have benefited having someone by our side to help us emotionally and this is what a death doula does if you think of a birth doula the same thing a birth doula is there by the side for the family as well as for the person birthing and they're there just to, for their emotional support, for their physical support, to, to go and get things for them, to give them a break, some respite, all that sort of thing. You can imagine that at end of life, that's a time where everyone's exhausted and there's a lot of emotions, a lot of physical sleeplessness and, and people often don't eat in that time. So to have someone, I think, at the end supporting you through that emotionally who understands what's coming as well and being able to explain every process and what it really means to that to you at that time, I think that would be fantastic. And I, I'm actually thinking of maybe that would be something that I would like to do for others because I didn't have that for me. And I actually have been a support person for the birth of my, my you know, Sue, Sue's um, two sons. And, and I just loved being that support person in, in during that time. And, you know, the hours flew, but you're just so present and focused on giving to, to them. And it's such an, a, a rewarding thing. So if, if I could do that at the other end, I think, and understand having gone through that myself, that might be a, a good thing to learn to do. <laughs> so for your dad, was there someone that spoke to him about death and his fear of death? Did that come up at all? No, no. He, he, everyone just talks about the physical things so they talk about oh you're not going to eat you're not going to drink you're going to have pain relief you're going to be comfortable so all that but I think this because he's not um, associated with any religion it wasn't the spiritual side and the emotional side I think that just gets put aside it all becomes as with a lot of things when you're in the hospital it becomes very medical and and I think you lose a lot of that that spiritual side when you're going through physical things but it's it's the biggest time birth and death of spirituality and 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 needing to to have someone there to guide you through all those those feelings i think it's really important you talked about the death process i know you yep. were researching this a little bit and you went to a conference 
So the death process, I guess there's two sides to look at it. There's the process for the person that is dying mm-hmm. and then the process for the loved ones around them. So how do you see that? I, I haven't even thought about the death process for the person that's dying. I'm just thinking about it from the process of being the person around someone that is dying. Mm-hmm. So there'd be a different perspective to take, surely. Yeah. I think a person actually speaks about their death during their life, during their, their early on, all through their life actually, to understand what that death is part of life and to normalise it and to talk about it. And and I think that if people live their life knowing that death is coming, then, then it's not hard to to go through it at the end because it's, it's, it's there in the forefront of your mind. And like I'm always talking about, oh, before I die, I'd like to do this. Or, you know, <laughs> when I die, I want this. Uh, when, I, when this is at my funeral, I want it. I'm always, and people are like, God, you're always talking about death, but it is, it's inevitable it's going to happen. So I think that having those conversations are really, really important during your life. So when it is actually that time leading up to death, and it's not all new emotions and all new, you know, there's no mystery to it because you've been talking about it the whole time. And I think that's where part of that role of death tool is actually part of death education. And, and I can really see myself doing a lot of that as well. So that doesn't make it so distressing for families to um, not know what's going on because people talk about it more, which is really important. It is so important. And I think death is seen as so final, but I see it as such a beautiful thing. We're talking to Kelly Ogden. You're on Good Health Radio. We're talking about her time as a volunteer at, for palliative care. Now, Kelly, we talked about death just before. So what is your concept of after death? Is that something that you've really thought about? think about it a lot. <laughs> um, but it, it, it changes. I, I really... I really have a lot of. I mean, I'm. I don't. I'm not associated with any particular religion. I. I. I think I can relate to a lot of Buddhist philosophies. So I'm hoping that maybe there is an afterlife. There's some sort of energy. I know. I just have a feeling that I know that the energy within us is definitely transformed and and um, moved on. And where do we move on to? I do not know. Is it part of the energy of of the trees, energy of the earth, I don't know. But I, I definitely feel that it's not a fine finality. I think, I'm, I mean, I always talk to my dad and I always have dreams about him. When my nan died, I actually, I was in the room very soon, probably about 15 minutes after she died, and I felt we'd been sitting in the room for about three hours after she died, and there was about probably about an hour or so after she died. I just turned to my mum and said, she's gone. I just feel she's gone. So how that's just that amazes me because that is proof I think that we have an energy or soul that is, it does move and shift out of the body and, and to actually feel it is amazing. So you're really you go. <laughs> want to be like a gatekeeper or a carer of that soul as it transitions. Yes, yeah. That's pretty yeah. amazing. So I've heard of a book called The Tibetan Book of the Dead. I haven't read it. But I'm sure there's processes in there about death. So in our society, our Western society, what is your perspective on how death is taken by people? I mean, it depends. If if they're religious, I think they'll probably think that they go to heaven or hell. (laughs) I think a majority of people probably have grown up that way, Western society. So all that they just have a, a feeling that there's nothing. It's just it. You're dead. You're gone. No more. So having some something, an understanding of the energy and the soul, I think is is important. I, I don't know if I 
where my beliefs are with heaven and hell, but definitely that our souls move on. I believe a lot of our soul is our energy, that love energy doesn't end. It goes somewhere. Yeah, I think love is God, God is love, energy, soul, all the same thing. (laughs) So soul energy is your internal energy. It's connected to everything. Because I'm not religious either. I'm a yoga teacher, so I'm much more Mm -hmm. spiritual in my perspective. And I just remember wanting to connect to people and feel connected to people. So that's obviously what your calling is in terms Mm. of palliative care Mm. and as a death Mm. doula. So Mm -hmm. what does the future hold for you? Do you know where you're going to be going from here? (laughs) Good question. I'm I'm nearly 50. (laughs) I think definitely um, I won't be going back on the wards to nurse. I'm an educator at the moment. But I think I'll probably have this death business as a bit of a side gig for a while and do um, palliative care probably for many years and look into when we go back to normality, hopefully some sort of normality that I can do some courses, death doula courses that I'm looking at. There's also a a death walker called Zena. She is in Byron Bay. She's coming down next year actually um, and to do a, a course which I'd love to be part of. So lots of learning and then hopefully with that increased confidence with the the learnings, be given the opportunity to be with some families to help them. That's amazing. So did you say Death Walker? Yeah, that's another name, Death Walker, Death Doula. Yeah, lots of different names you can call it. (laughs) So that's amazing, Kel. That is amazing that you want to help people be there. So has that changed through your life, your presence, like now wanting to spend more time, more connection definitely yeah definitely definitely I think I mean earlier on I did nursing because I like the medical physical side but now it's all about people it's all about as you like you kind of it's connections with people that's the thing that's that's what what we're here for is to connect and that love between communities each other the earth it's seriously it's so basic and so simple but I think we do a bit of a, a full circle and coming back to that as we get older and we realise that it really is those things that's why we're here and and what we're here to provide. So I think I've been very, very blessed that in my nursing I've been able to, to give and provide and connect to people and I've, I've gained so much from that but this is just a different way of doing it really. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm going to find a death doula to interview now. You've inspired me. Yes, yes. Now tell me, you've written a poem. I would love to hear it. Can you read it out for me, please? <laughs> yep. This poem I wrote after the training I had as a volunteer. So, And it was quite an emotional time because there's a lot of transformations that happened in that um, eight weeks. So it's called My Thank You. My Wednesdays are transformed. They've led to an unexpected pause in the chaos of life. I can connect with, with like-minded people of things that matter. Personal stories are shared, reflections of life, one's values and meanings of life. Vulnerabilities and fears are shared. Gratitude is felt for the thought and the time given in our volunteer preparation. These are skills that we can and are now using in our everyday lives. It has changed us. I've gained so much and feel so supported. I can't wait to give back. I feel part of a new community, one that I feel that aligns to my values and what I want out of my life. The professionalism and expertise is at such a high standard, yet we are not looked down on and are regarded as equals. We have respect for each other, very emotional and triggering at times, I feel strong and proud of growth. It's, it's an emotional time, definitely after the training. 
That's so cool. So also something else you said to me before, what other things can you do to get involved with palliative care? So I'm not a nurse in trade. So what Mm. other stuff could you do? Some community organisations that do palliative care volunteering. People can write biographies to give to their families after they've passed, which is a fantastic gift to give. Dog walking and photographers taking photos of families and um, they're getting into hairdressing now too. Kelly, you are amazing, opening my heart, warming my heart with what you're doing, the care you have for people and the genuine connection you feel. Thank you so much for joining us today on Good Health Radio. My pleasure, Pa. You're on Good Health Radio, coming back after this break.